0: hello and welcome to film inquiries the latest this is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news movie trends and movie releases this week have on the other line he's he's just a normal man
1: joining you from he's just he's just an
0: innocent man it's hunter heilman everyone back after after a long hiatus away from the show uh-huh yeah yeah when yeah. was the last time you were on here? I can't even remember. I don't know. When was
1: the last time I was on here? <laughs> I don't know, Jesse. I
0: have to go back through the, the, the audio files.
1: It's been a it's been a uh it's been a dry spell for things that interest me that are things that you would talk about. That's fair. It's been a big it's been a big uh a big couple months of like indie horror, which you know, isn't the latest. It's more like the nichest.
0: Christy Strauss said last week the innocence is good tell me how i was
1: literally thinking of the innocence <laughs> when i said that it's so good it makes uh, It's so here's the thing god bless that Firestarter remake because it came out a week after the innocence uh-huh. and the innocence is like how you do a kid with telekinetic powers movie that's that's what she did
0: on and on Firestarter episode,
1: is not how you do it it's like Oh, this is unfortunate that it fell like it's an unfortunate movie, regardless. But like the fact that it fell a week after a far, far better movie, uh, was just a little like oh. But also, I really don't really feel that bad for it.
0: This is probably going to be a derivative conversation for our listeners because I pretty much discussed this last week. But you're you're a horror, a horror lover and a horror connoisseur. So like, how do you feel like this year's? Crop of horror movies has been because I I kind of mentioned the Christie last week. Like even though the Firestarter remake was like a total nothing burger of a movie, like there's been some like pretty good horror movies this year, and we've got like some really promising ones coming up. Which like I would not say I was a little disappointed by the horror slate last year. I think
1: yeah. Um. So like this year has been pretty good for particularly for smaller horror movies. That's the Mm -hmm. thing. I feel like if you're not kind of into that, you're not really getting the whole you're not getting the whole view of like horror so like I just reviewed a studio horror movie I'm writing about Uma right now which is Mm -hmm. the um the Sandra O movie that came out that's produced by Sam Raimi and it's not good
0: saw that one star on Letterboxd it's
1: one and a half okay (laughs) uh Sandra O tries her best um but I mean other than that I mean this year everything else is all the good stuff has been pretty small the innocence um looks a um the sadness holy mm-hmm. shit the sadness is truly next level and then you have things like x and you won't be alone and mm-hmm. you know they're just they're just s- smaller things but because if you look at kind of what's had like major releases it's like you know uma which even s- then wasn't big scream was good i enjoyed scream but, like, that also feels, I mean, that was almost half a year ago at this that point. That feels
0: 10,000 years ago yeah. at this point.
1: And then, you know, you have something like I don't know how to, I wish I could censor myself.
0: Um, I can add real time. So. It's okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, Texas. <laughs> massacre
0: oh okay that's that actually should be a running bit on this show of like for the rest of the year anytime (laughs) we mention that i just need to put like a bleep in it and then like so bad someone eventually is going to be like what are they what are they talking Um, about and then
1: the cursed that's that was a good one that was that i hate the new name of it but it was originally called eight for silver that came out at uh sundance the year prior but all of these you know all of these movies that have been good this year have been smaller ones so it's Mm -hmm. definitely kind of like an indie horror year as opposed to like a big studio horror year but i feel like it's been kind of going in that direction for a while
0: so, yeah. um, and I mean, there's some cool stuff kind of around. like, I mean, we're, we're weeks away from the Cronenberg movie. That's not really uh, a big studio movie, but
1: I'm so excited. Um, oh God. You know, so when, excited.
0: when I went and saw the movie, we're going to be talking about today. Uh, men, when I went to the theaters last night, they, you know, played a preview for the Jordan Peele movie and for, yeah. um, the black phone which i've i've heard is very good as well
1: yeah but i'm really tired of that trailer oh god i'm just when they announced that it was getting delayed i was already tired of the trailer and i was just like no no not now really um, we have Watcher Watchers coming out. That looks good. We're getting that at the theater I work at, which is really surprising because we never book IFC Midnight stuff. But
0: like, what's what's the Rebecca Hall movie from Sundance that everyone tells me is really good?
1: Resurrection. I saw Resurrection actually. Resurrection's pretty good. Bodies, um, bodies,
0: bodies. I bodies, saw a bodies for bodies.
1: that last night. Um, uh, Speak No Evil from Sundance is coming out in the fall on Shudder. and that movie genuinely, I was lightheaded watching it. Not because it was like. It's not super violent. It's not like the sadness where it's just extreme horror in every case, but it's so stressful that I genuinely want it to die. Yikes. And I love it. Loved it so much. So, I mean, there's good stuff coming. It's just not always... You, you have to look a little bit harder for good horror now because if you're just kind of looking base level, you know, again, you're gonna, you'll get Jordan Peele mm-hmm. and you'll get, you know, Scream, which is fine, but you're also going to find a whole lot of like not great stuff too uh
0: well and and later this year and maybe this is i'm gonna i'm gonna attempt a a wild transition here transition here i mean later this year we're gonna get the final halloween movie the final film in the halloween let's let's bring jamie lee curtis out trauma series and you know I what else is a movie? I still
1: like this series. <laughs> you know, I know what everyone else? <laughs> hated Halloween Kills, but I thought it was fun.
0: But you know what else is a movie about? Trauma. trauma. It's Men, the, the movie we're actually here to talk about today. What? Um, you mean a movie
1: about men is about the trauma inflicted upon women by men? That's a little obvious, don't you think? Alex Garland would never be that obvious about anything he does, right? Trauma. Right? trauma right
0: (laughs) um hunter i know you i want to bring you on for this episode because i know you're a big alex garland fan you talked to alex garland before for for our listeners like give us kind of like the the mini autobiography of alex garland and and why to you alex garland is is one of the more exciting filmmakers working in in the last few years
1: Well, as a filmmaker, he hasn't actually been around that long in Mm -mm. terms of him being a director. Men is only his third film. However, he has been a very, very well-respected screenwriter for um, a little over 20 years now. Um, Has worked quite a bit with um, Danny Boyle. Mm -hmm. Um, So initially it started with um, The Beach which he actually wrote the novel for
0: yeah i don't think he's involved in like the screenplay no. for that but it but is like he it's started where
1: his it's where his um relationship with danny boyle right. began which then began everything else that has come since pretty much
0: have you ever seen that movie no i heard it that's, sucks that's like one of the few dicaprio movies and few like danny boyle movies i've never seen i've yet. heard I've, it's I, not good i, I hear it's pretty bad and i hear it's like very very different from the the alex garland novel yeah
1: um but then picks up with as the screenwriter for another danny boyle film two years later with 28 days later which is great movie, fabulous movie really love it i i really like 28 weeks later as well i think it's very underrated even though obviously 28 days later is is the better movie but 28 Weeks Later is really interesting because there's so many people in it that were not famous at the time, but went on to be. It's like 28 Weeks Later, it's like, I know this is supposed to be like, look at these normal people like reacting in a world of this. And it's like Rose Byrne, Jeremy Renner. Inter-Selva. Inter-Selva. In that? yeah it's a but like you know it's just like oh okay cool but like at the time it was like not a huge thing but now you look at it and it's like you guys are some of the biggest actors in your trade right now so like mm. go off um and then uh and then from there uh did sunshine which is another danny boyle film another great also movie fabulous movie um uh never let me go that was not danny boyle was mark romanek and that was Mm -hmm. based off of a novel yes um which he's done quite a few um he's done quite a few like adaptions of stuff
0: yeah i've i've heard this one is a fairly even though i think the sense i get is people like the book a little bit more than the movie like never let me go yeah, the book. Yeah. it's it's very similar to the book. It's just I think it's set. It translates it from like Japan to yes. uh, the UK.
1: Yeah, and it's a it's a it's like a big cult following of a book. And yeah. I know that they are doing. If I'm There's correct, a TV
0: series coming. I think
1: right? FX is doing it. Maybe huh. I'm not. I can't quite remember, but I've heard really good things about it. Um, both the movie and the show. Um, I watched
0: the movie for the first time this past week to kind of prep for it. I yeah. I thought it was like solid i could i yeah. could kind of tell of like well, some of the concepts working a little bit better in a book um yeah. it is unique for like star basically has like the core love triangle in it which there there is a sort of sci-fi element of it which i I'm very not... hot
1: people in that movie too right That's it's an like, attractive movie
0: it's Kira knightley right off of the pirates movies and then like carrie Andrew mulligan
1: Gar- right off of uh yeah, carrie uh, mulligan
0: and Andrew Garfield like right as they were about to like right around the time they're popping in like yep. um social network and an education yep. um all of them good pretty solid movie yeah not as best but it's no. good so uh,
1: so uh, i i misspoke i guess um, they did a Japanese television series of Never Let Me Go, but I swear I, I read just a few days ago they're doing an, another English language.
0: I, I'm pretty sure you're right. I, I I don't know who the network is, but I I yeah. do remember having seen that um, uh, earlier this week.
1: Yeah. Um. And then from there he did Dread, which was an adaptation of the Judge Dread novels uh, or graphic novels, mm-hmm. um, which are are very popular, but had never really been taken seriously in film because the There's only like, other time it had been approached yeah. was uh um, bad
0: sylvester stallone 90s a movie bad
1: movie yeah. yeah but dread's really cool it's very much so it feels kind of like a video game which um again yeah isn't isn't a bad thing because alex garland has actually written a couple video games as well um uh but this one it was directed by pete travis that being said there are some major. Toby Hooper, Steven Spielberg, rumors going around, uh, yeah, <laughs> about whether or not Pete Travis really directed it, Car- or if Alex Garland had a lot of say into it. Hasn't like Carl
0: Urban basically been like anything that's much. good about this movie, and like it's, anything coherent is like basically Garland's script, and that well, there was some behind-the-scenes drama and stuff like that. It's been ten
1: years, and what has what has Pete Travis really directed since? Not one. Well. Yeah, but what has Alex Garland done? A lot. Um, Dread, really fun, really self-contained yeah. uh, sci-fi movie. Um, it's not like high art by any means, but it also is. It, it is one of the better uses of three D in the like post Avatar era. Really, really cool uh, use of that. Really great performance from carl urban really fabulous performance from lena heady too i really like dread that's
0: right she's the villain
1: she is yeah um and then he wrote um the reboot to uh devil may cry the video games um ironically kind of a misstep for him a lot of fans did not like it um and they kind of ditched his reboot for the later games um i'll be honest i'm not a huge devil may cry fan i haven't played it so i really don't know how much of a, re- a- misstep it was but i do remember when it came out a lot of people did not love it um so that's more of him just kind of being a victim to fandom i think
0: yeah Um, i'm sure it's
1: fine it is
0: interesting of like before he like goes into directing his own material of like his work as a writer is sort (sighs) of across so many mediums i mean he's like writing several original scripts like yeah 28 days later in sunshine and then like adapting stuff from other material like never let me go and dread yeah. and then you know he's writing novels he's doing video games and stuff of like yeah it, it is pretty impressive just the, the wide range of different yeah. mediums he's worked in yeah
1: but like alex garland as alex garland is known today mm-hmm. kind of starts with and by kind of i mean absolutely starts with ex machina in, yeah 2014 i think it premiered in america in 2015 but um that was like that one of my favorite
0: sci-fi movies of the last decade
1: it's so good um i i feel that way about another one of garland's movies which we'll get to in a minute um i also think ex machina is one of the best of the decade as well but um ex machina it's it it is a very another very self-contained um like british horror or like sci-fi thriller Mm -hmm. um it's his first time actually credited as a director um on a on a feature film but going from there um it was also kind of the movie that really like solidified a24 on the map as well definitely Um, there had been some other things kind of leading up to that that were kind of small hits but like that ex machina was like the one where everyone took notice of like uh even though universal made it Mm -hmm. and released it in other you know in the uk and such uh it got released by a24 here and and that was when that was when the cult of a24 was kind of born and rightly so it's a fabulously it's so clever i remember seeing it with one of my best friends in college at a screening one night and i remember like halfway through just being like this is really good and then by the end being like oh my god like what what like it was so fun it's such i mean uh beat at a 15 million dollar budget beat out like four other 150 200 million dollar um like blockbusters at the oscars the next year for best visual right. effects and rightly so yeah i mean um, the
0: visual effects in it are i, I mean a, gr- a great movie that like knows how to use the visual you know it's not like visual effects overloads counts. yes yeah. exactly
1: um f- wonder some of the best sci-fi production design that house is just so cool um, I think it is whenever I think of Alicia Vikander as an Oscar winner, I tend to think of ex machina before I think of the Danish girl. That's and, the
0: one she should have won for. And I
1: think most people, I think most people agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's it, it. And I mean, again, this is also the movie. It's not necessarily the first and only thing that put the three main actors on the map. That being Alicia Vikander, Dom Hall Gleeson and Oscar Isaac, but mm-hmm. it certainly didn't hurt. Um, yeah, because I mean, really it's around s- the
0: time that like Oscar Isaac is also in like Inside Llewyn Davis. It was like it, a year after that. Like It's like but, right as he's like really popping. And like, I remember it was just, pre it was post Inside Llewyn Davis
1: pre Star Wars. Right. So like it was that middle ground of we know he's about to be doing a lot of things. And then this was that movie that kind of snuck in there that no one had heard of really until it happened. But when it did, it was overnight.
0: I'm kind Everyone. of obsessed with his performance in, it's in so this good. movie. <laughs> it's so
1: good. Him just like that, just the bald with the ugly beard, never has shoes on. He's just this like horrid. He's like, just wearing
0: like track suits that are yeah. like half unzipped. He's and like just sweaty like...
1: half the time. He's just like the world. It's just such like a a, a smooth, but also so quietly psychotic and so very... um.
0: It's kind I, of broy too, in like bro, a really tech bro, like yeah. Silicon
1: Valley, like kind of Mark Zuckerberg, but like if Mark Zuckerberg could like pull some bitches, like really just, yeah, you know, the, if, the
0: infamous so disco sequence in it, which may be like my my favorite <laughs> so movie good. scene. Of yeah, the last, Yeah, him like, and Sonoy Mizuno
1: just tore it up. So it's it's very good. It's so twisty turny, and it's not one of those movies where it's like you know a twist doesn't happen and it's not one of those like dun 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 type of Mm -hmm. things it's like it's that slow sort of twist where you're like you kind of grab the like i remember grabbing the thigh of my friend and being like is what is what's about to happen really about to happen and what it does it's gag worthy it's so good i love ex machina it is the only reason I would say it's near perfect sci-fi is because I personally believe, and it is an unpopular opinion, but I personally believe his second directorial directorial film, Annihilation, is a perfect sci-fi film. And that is three years later, or I guess four years later, um, and that is uh, his studio debut with Annihilation.
0: I really like that movie, so I'm I'm not going to give too much, like, complaints to... I mean, I like Ex Machina a little bit between the two, but, like...
1: Most people do. You're not going to hear
0: any complaints about Annihilation from me. Most people do, and
1: honestly, I can see that. I absolutely understand why Ex Machina is a little bit more loved, because I think, A, it was a little bit more, like, I think kind of... captured everyone's attention a little bit more for the sheer fact that it was smaller it was a little more indie it was kind of the it girl at the Mm -hmm. time um and it was that type of movie that had that kind of indie flair to it but also was really approachable to mainstream audiences as well Mm -hmm. it was smart but it wasn't hard to follow
0: Annihilation, Anni- on the other hand, is like is one of the weirdest, <laughs> wildest. I mean, one of the more fun movie experiences I've had was yeah. going to like an early screening of that. When I, I lived think you in and Charlotte, I were in the I we were in the same pe- theater. I just don't think we like, were friends. People were screaming and yeah. freaking out, and the were bear like scene had
1: people. I mean, it was both quiet, but also like those murmurs of "Oh my god!" and Annihilation. Yeah. So Annihilation is not. Uh, Ex X Machina is an original screenplay on behalf mm-hmm. of Alex Garland. Annihilation is not. It's based off of um uh, the book by Jeff Vandermeer, which in turn he says it's not, but everyone agrees it's based off of Roadside Picnic, um, which in turn was made into Stalker, um mm-hmm. the both the movie, which then in turn was turned into the video game. Mm-hmm. Um so there's a lot of elements of
0: like inspiration there, but the garland yeah, I, movie is only very very loosely based. it's so it's, loosely it's, which which makes sense because i remember having read the book before the movie came out and it's like different when I, and it's dense right like when i heard that they were adapting and i was like how in the world are they going to do that because so much of the book is like a first-hand account of someone it's trying first-hand to account
1: but they can't ex- remember anything it's such right. an unreliable narrator or and it's such. trying
0: to explain something that's unexplainable yeah. is kind of the way the book is written and so i was like how would you visualize that and so yep. it, it made sense to me i remember yep. that being kind of a complaint some people yep. had was like the the creative liberties he took with it but i remember seeing it and thinking like oh this is the only way you could do this is just taking like doing in, your in, own thing right like i think he even mentioned like he his basically adaption was like reading the synopsis on the like front cover of the book like the the general kind of cliff notes version yep. and being like well, I'll kind of take the general yep. outline of the story and then just do my own thing.
1: Pretty much, yeah, because that, that was something that had to come out as well because I remember when the film came out, there was some controversy because in the book, Jennifer Jason Lee's character and Natalie Portman's character, I can't remember which or which, but one of them is like half Asian and the other one is Native American and they were mm-hmm. like, they whitewashed it. And Alex Garland was like- I think it's like, the
0: Portman character is going yeah, to be Asian American. Yeah,
1: and Alex Garland was like, okay a i wrote the screenplay before the book came out b it didn't tell you that until the second book and c i read the book like literally once and then did my own thing with it so mm-hmm. then it was like it was kind of all excused but at the moment he really had to come out and be like i need y'all to know how little i cared about adapting right. this book <laughs> um but it is it to me it is perfect sci-fi it is that it is that amazing mixture of like horror mixed with like a quiet drama mixed with it's just weird and i think that's what sci-fi needs to be i think that's like it take it is science fiction Mm -hmm. genuinely it is science comma fiction and uh it it everything comes together so perfectly in it. i think the score is one of my favorites of any movie of the past decade jeff uh jeff burrow ben salisbury score is amazing the mixture of like these weird drony ambient tones with like folk guitar music it's mm-hmm. so amazing i the cast at the time to- like those were the it girls of the time mm-hmm. natalie portman was kind of making a return but like tessa thompson was coming was right fresh on the scene jennifer right. jason lee was coming off of the hateful eight gina yep. rodriguez was in the midst of jane the virgin tuva novotany you know she she was good in it but she wasn't like big she was kind of the like undiscovered star of the movie and then obviously Oscar Isaac was in it as well kind of uh you know bringing bringing it back to working with him from Ex Machina and it is it I just love it it is the perfect thriller it's the perfect sci-fi movie it's one of my it's probably my favorite sci-fi movie it of the last decade if not of pretty much the entirety of the 21st century um I every time I watch it there is something new that i discover with it and there is a new sort of feeling that i take on at each kind of little different sub chapter of my life that i get to watch it at and i watched it the other night and it was a completely different experience from what i watched it before and i think it's so fitting as well since the movie is so heavily focused on like the concept of like evolution and like a mm-hmm. I wouldn't say a violent evolution it's it's so
0: just just metamorphosis, yeah. and, and change and... yeah,
1: it's like it that's the that's that's one of the lines it's like it's not destroying things, it's just changing them, and right. it's scary to us, but when you really watch this movie aside from the finale, which is genuinely it's scary, but it's not like when you every time you rewatch it and you learn it's just like it's just how like it's how people react or like other organisms react under fear and under mm. like an unknown environment and that the quote alien or whatever you want to call it in this movie. Cause you, everyone I think has a different interpretation of this movie. I, I think they are as much of a victim of this in this movie as the five group of women that go into this, you know, dangerous zone of, of the shimmer. Mm -hmm. um i love this movie i love it so much and that's why and it it, it set a high bar because i think ex machina set a high bar and i remember when i saw annihilation i was like that was amazing i don't know if it was ex machina amazing second watch i was like actually you know what i think it is couple Mm -hmm. watches later i absolutely am confident that i i just love annihilation so much because it's just everything an adult adult action movie needs to be. The characters are not, like, they're not all likable. They all have actual flaws and, like, real personalities. I mean, a lot of people really didn't like that Natalie Portman's character was kind of a bitch. And it's like, yeah, but you do realize that some people are just bitches. They're just not, they're not always good people. And that's fine. It doesn't doesn't mean I'm rooting for her any less. It just means that her personal life outside of outside of her work here is a little complicated and it's like huh interesting interesting how when it's an all-female film their uh their personalities really come into effect of whether or not we're rooting for them to get violently murdered mm-hmm. um which doesn't so what- happen much with the exception of one character Yes. um and i remember my friend um my friend who like studied film studies in boston and stuff she um she interned at skydance the Mm. spring before this movie came out and i remember her texting me she's like they hate it they hate it so much
0: yeah i remember getting kind of like weirdly dropped like like it was like a january or february release it was a february release
1: we were the only country who got it in
0: theaters theaters i think it
1: it was like us and i maybe japan Mm -hmm. everywhere else got it on netflix and and then I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, David Ellison's a fucking idiot then I see, mm-hmm. and it's like, I don't want to sit here and defend Scott Rudin, but he did at least fight tooth and nail for that movie, and it was a smart move but And then I texted my friend, and I was like, "Oh, so David Ellison's an idiot." and she's like, "Oh, yeah, absolutely, totally um and but yeah i I just remember hearing rumors that it was gonna suck, and then it was like, "No, it doesn't suck. it's just not a it's not a studio film, and it's still right. mind blowing." that this is it, it's not a film made by A24 or anyone like that. It's it's Paramount and Skydance.
0: It um, truly is one of the weirdest mainstream studio movies of the yeah, last it's, couple it's, decades. It's a
1: miracle of a studio movie. I love it. So, so um, what
0: what did you think? I think before we kind of hop into this new movie of his, what what did you I guess the other thing he's done is there is the the T V series devs, devs that kind of aired yeah. during the pandemic. Is maybe the one thing of his i have not well we'll we'll get to this movie but i think the one thing kind of leading up to this movie that i maybe admired some of the ambition of it but never quite connected with it and was a little bit too um i, I don't know a bit too high concept and not quite having like an emotional thing yeah. for me to grasp onto. to
1: i'll be completely honest i didn't finish devs
0: yeah a lot a really interesting show but i i think one that i personally struggled to kind of move through
1: i think i watched the first two episodes and i was like i'll finish it when all of the episodes air and then i Mm. never finished it i feel bad about that i should go back and do it because i've i've heard it's pretty good i know you're a little mixed on it i think some people are as well but
0: he's someone who deals with these very very high concept Ideas and I like, but he takes the
1: time for them,
0: right? And I like when those are able to meet up with, um, a certain genre element. Even, even sometimes, like though, I think those those kind of genre instincts can sometimes betray the ideas. Like, for as much as I really like Sunshine, like we watched Sunshine this past week, and even though I don't think it kills the movie, like I I still think most of the movie is phenomenal there is something a little bit like weird and jarring about when it becomes like a monster movie and it's like yeah. final act that's a yeah. little like this feels like it's from a totally different yeah. like like got sucked in through like a wormhole into this movie of like this is not the kind of movie that we i've been watching um but but i i i enjoy the stuff where he's able to have like a sort of tangible thriller or sort of emotional suspense element to kind of move you through these very, very high concept ideas that he's trying to play around with, which is maybe less successful in a show like devs. But um, this new movie of his men, which is now out in theaters, I wouldn't even really call science fiction. I think it's, Oh,
1: it's it's, a horror film. It's a folk horror film. Yeah.
0: Folk horror movie. Um, I guess very,
1: very British.
0: Yes. Very British. I would say, I guess the cliff notes version of it would be a, a woman played by, an actress you and I both adore Jesse Buckley, that
1: bitch. She's one of the girlies of right now. He always, he can tap into who is the main bitch of the time. And that is beautiful.
0: I think I thought an interesting thing. I think it was on, um, the big picture podcast, Sean Finnessy and Joanna Robinson, like brought this, this up of like, he makes a lot of movies about women, which is, which is interesting for like a male filmmaker. Um, but so Jesse Buckley's character, she is grieving the death of her husband. Goes away and gets away. to keep
1: her Irish accent for once. Hollywood, for once in a movie, Hollywood. I know.
0: Let Jessie Buckley just like it's like it's like music to my ears. She's got it's a like, great voice.
1: I will say her Scottish accent's really good. In Wild mm. Rose, she had a really good Glaswegian one. But everything else, it's either she's American or she's British. And it's like, no, let her have that beautiful, like Irish accent. Go for it.
0: Je- yeah, Je- no. if if jesse buckley's ever considered doing like books like i would listen to any book on tape that's jesse buckley and that just Absolutely. like soothing irish it's, it's like a warm cup of tea yeah to, to listen to but anyway so she goes away she after the death of her husband is like i need a sort of relaxing english countryside vacation um gets an, an airbnb i assume in this small english countryside town And in that small English countryside town, she is tormented, stalked, harassed by a variety of men in the town who are all played by actor Rory Kinnear. Um, Most listeners probably recognize him from the Black Mirror episode where the Prime Minister has sex with the pig. It's a pig! If you haven't seen that episode, I'm um, sorry I spoiled it for you, but it's been like yeah. almost 10 years since that yeah. episode aired.
1: Um also, if you've seen any Bond movies since right, right, right. Quantum yeah. of Solace, I think He, he, he plays
0: was, one of the like suits He's the chief of in, staff in my office, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he
1: plays chief of staff Bill Tanner. Um has a lot more to do in like skyfall inspector and and no time to die a little bit but he's um,
0: he's like a very in in the uk a very well-renowned stage actor and tv actor i mean probably less known for his father and when
1: you when you learn who his father is you can't unsee it his father roy kinnear Uh um was veruca salt's dad in the original willy wonka
0: that makes total
1: sense and now it's like oh <laughs> wait did, did Roy Kinnear wow. asexually reproduce because like when you when you see it is you're this like movie actually cr- accurate
0: maybe a little yeah for into what happens in this movie for
1: real no like when when I learned that because I remember I think I was watching Willy Wonka once and I was like Rory Kinnear's in this is he one of the kids and it's like no it's Roy and it's his dad and I'm like oh shit i get it now so he is also it's a lineage thing his his father was a very well-respected actor he is a very well-respected actor and has mostly stuck to british things yes um but occasionally british stuff and american stuff kind of overlap and we get things yeah. like this but this is probably the first major movie on on american soil where he's one of the main credited people in it
0: right and he gets a
1: lot to do in this
0: yes yes i think i think for people who would probably just recognize him as like oh yeah haven't i seen that guy in like a james bond movie or something well this i think will give you um a a greater understanding to like why he's like a much bigger deal over across the pond
1: he is painfully british though he looks. He looks like you see a picture of him, and you're like, "That man is British."
0: I thought one of the like funnier reactions I saw about this was David Sims on Twitter being like, "Min is actually just a movie about how annoying English people are," <laughs> which no offense to to English people, but um, I thought that was a a funny read of the the movie. A little um, bit, yeah. So let's let's kind of unpack our feelings for this because I think you found this movie very disappointing. I'm very, very mixed on this movie. Walk, walk me through your, your feelings on this. Cause I think this, this is, it's not a science fiction movie. As we mentioned, it's kind of folk core, but it really is this sort of like Rorschach of a movie that I think people who see it will walk out with very, with varying interpretations and listening to and reading interviews with Garland. Talk about this movie recently. It's, it's a little hard to kind of get at like what he was intending with this. And it seems like, you know, I I think we'll have a con. I think I'll mention this to say, we're going to have a larger conversation about our interpretations and what we think he's going after in the movie. But it seems like from a lot of interviews, the, some of the choices story-wise and aesthetically kind of were made to either get a specific reaction out of people or, him just being like this just seemed like a a conceit or a way for me to get this unlock this sort of like dramatic key into the story yeah. and and i'm not even sure he's necessarily he seems to be saying like everything in here is intentional but i'm not here to explain anything because... it doesn't feel like it though <laughs> yeah. that's
1: the thing that's that's the problem with it so what what goes on in this is that it's first off i know what you're thinking oh a movie called men in 2022 that's a horror movie like Mm -hmm. that sounds really heavy-handed and on the nose and it's like yeah but it's from alex garland so obviously it's not gonna be Um, right so um spoiler alert it is um (sighs) it's pretty on the nose um very on the nose uh the issue with this is that for such a long time of this movie is spent it is spent in a way that doesn't help its story feel like anything other than an incredibly shallow "ah, oh, all men are bad" type of thing, and now mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I agree <laughs> I'm not trying to be like he denigrates men in this movie. yeah yes he does he should but it's also one of those things where it's like i have seen other films at this point within within our new generation of like actually kind of confronting and recognizing sexism and like the subtle ways in which sexism can like really rear its head i've seen Mm -hmm. it done so much better and so much more in such more subtle and unsettling ways. Mm-hmm. This film is unsettling. Don't get me wrong. It is. The, the,
0: cr- the guy has a knack for very sort of disturbing, like like, like visceral imagery yeah. is, is maybe I think the best compliment. To this and
1: this movie. is arguably his most violent film to date, mm-hmm. like yeah. hands down. But again, it just doesn't really say anything new for so long and it, I don't really think it actually says anything new regardless, but mm-hmm. the way in which it tells its story is very straightforward for a very long portion of the movie. Then it decides to completely upend that and be a weird Alex Garland movie in the last 10, 15 minutes. And unfortunately mm-hmm. I think it both doesn't qualify itself for that by that point in the film. And mm-hmm. it goes so hard left that it feels a little for lack of a better term, performative Mm. in the sense of like, oh God, did we get to this point and just think like, I got to wrap this up somehow. Or like, I have to like make some sort of statement here somehow. And it unfortunately also takes itself way too seriously for the type of film that I think that Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear think that they're in Jesse. Jesse Buckley plays it a little bit more straight. She's yes. really good in this, but she definitely plays. She's definitely the straight man in this. And like, I think that is the, the role in which she has to sit with them because she has to look at the things going around, going on around her and, and, and see the kind of ridiculousness of it.
0: Right. She has to ground us emotionally and what, yes. what is happening. And she does a very
1: good job of that. However, Rory Kinnear is having the goddamn time of his life in this movie. And An actor's I dream. I <laughs> feel that. And I absolutely feel that. I'm like, yes, that looks so fun. Like, being able to, like, play all these different characters and do all these different things. That being said, he is wearing a Party City wig in pretty much every scene of this movie. And just, like, it's Except very... for
0: the one where they CGI his face onto, okay, like, a child's okay, body. <laughs> but here's the
1: thing. I actually liked that because... Uh-huh because i know that alex garland can do unsettling so well and he i know that that was intentional and i love the idea of like kind of throwing back this newfound love of de-aging actors to put Mm -hmm. them in their old legacy roles and people really fawning over that and being like oh yeah over their nostalgia this really takes that and shoves it back in their face and tells them to get because it is terrifying, and it means to be. It's not supposed to be, like, a realistic-looking child. It's supposed to look like Rory Kinnear, who has been chronically 50 years old since he was 30. And, like, it is genuinely terrifying. And I I actually appreciated that. I know some people have been like, that was weird. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. It's right. supposed to be. <laughs> like, you know, they're not trying to hobbit their way through this. They're actually trying to make it like a, what the are you type of like moment and but that's the thing it's like he is like throwing on different wigs and putting on different contacts and playing up these really broad caricatures of these and i mean broad caricatures of Mm -hmm. these different men that she's coming across in this village whether it's jeffrey who's like bumbling but like weirdly threatening as well but like for the most part kind of acts as her ally. For that's that's the landowner the
0: movie. guy yeah. with like the big yes. teeth and the weird nose. He's the one yes. on the
1: poster that looks terrifying, but actually spends most of the movie kind of actually being on her side a fair amount. And
0: pretty um, funny, I gotta very be honest. Funny.
1: <laughs> very funny. Weirdly charming until he isn't, obviously, but um, you know, it's supposed you're supposed to put your guard down with him a little bit. Um, or at least I got to that point. Right. Everyone else is not that no but it 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 just it garland is trying to make this really serious statement about something while while rory kinnear is pretty much like he is he is mike myers ring about (laughs) and tyler Perrying about and eddie murphying about albeit in a much more elevated sense if we want mm-hmm. to use that word i hate that word but it is it is you know obviously not being played for laughs but i think it could have been in a sense not as a comedy but just as more of a satire on like the way and the the audacity of men mm-hmm. pretty much um and unfortunately that disconnect makes one of the two one of these two elements feel off And I'm going to give my credit in this situation to Rory Kinnear because I feel like he's trying to do something a little bit more in line of what I wanted to see the film become Mm. and what I think was a little bit more of a unique approach to it. So I'm actually going to pin all of that on Garland for kind of misinterpreting what what this film would have benefited as because... Uh, horror by trauma is a very trauma is a very um is a very trendy thing right now and it's been done many times before it's been done many times before by a24 who made this film mm-hmm. um and it just it's been done better because you know you have something like midsummer which it's like it's grueling but it has that weirdly satirical bite to it and it's like right. okay that's kind of like interesting that you have something like hereditary which is just terrifying and devastating and then there's this which i think wants to feel devastating and wants to feel like this kind of big emotional wallop when in reality there is some real goofy shit going on and i wish it would embrace that so you could balance it in the same way that something like midsummer does
0: um i think i think for me my kind of frustration with the movie it's it's weirdly a cousin of kind of like what you're saying of like, I feel like there, the, the, this movie as a movie about trauma is sort of butting heads with, I think other aspects of the movie. Like to me, this movie is sort of both trying to be grand and mythic and eternal while at the same time being like intimate and personal. It is and absolutely the of...
1: smallest movie, even right. by like standards of like ex machina, but I don't know if he's necessarily treating it as such.
0: Right, like on one hand he's trying to make it it felt to me like he's trying to make this very big broad kind of um musing on sort of like men and women as these two eternal forces that have always been in conflict since the dawn of time. It is like baked into the earth and into history and is are two forces that will always be the conflict will always like arise from them and he's like that in a or at and, least
1: it's not going anywhere anytime soon
0: right and he's bringing in he's not just having like the Rory Kinnear um character so the, the various characters he's playing sort of embody these different ways that men either harass women or manipulate women or try to be kind to women but only for so they can get something in return but he's also bringing in like pagan imagery and i mean biblical imagery it's i don't think it's any coincidence that there's an apple tree in the and and allusions to the forbidden fruit yeah um and kind of like the original sin and men uh her name
1: might as well have been even right right it's harper which is her name too. Your dog's name. It's my dog's <laughs> name. So it was a little hard when they were like shit was going down and it was like Harper, Harper. But
0: oh, she she just woke up because she heard that. But so the the bluntness of the movie, I I didn't mind as much when he's trying to go like bigger and bigger and broader and broader and, and just painting with these big broad these big strokes of just sort of like I'm making like the broadest statements about like men and women and like the conflict between them is something cosmic and beyond us and and always has existed and will always exist and isn't that terror this sort of terrifying thing that is is just eternally part of the human existence but then he keeps like even between scenes brings it back to actually this movie is about Domestic this piece. one woman's very specific specific trauma with her husband maybe or maybe not committing suicide and then bringing in sort of their own conflicts as a married couple and domestic abuse and um friction between them and and the utilization
1: of like Threats of violence against not only her but oneself right. as like a form of emotional abuse as well. Right,
0: and 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 so it feels like do you kind of get what I'm saying. Like it feels like the yeah, movie absolutely. keeps ballooning out and then like pulling back in, and it's yep. like I don't. Is this about her
1: or is this about everything? Right, and, and, and it's and like it, it can't decide.
0: Right, and even as I was sort of, I don't think we can necessarily totally spoil the ending because I no. think like I think we would just sort of like struggle to describe kind of the the bizarre sort of craziness that this movie erupts to in sort of its final which it, moments
1: it just doesn't it absolutely does not justify itself when it comes to that because it's
0: been again when, when it comes to the f- that the final beat of it is where which is kind of getting to my point of like it goes about as like grand and kind of cosmic and crazy as as you can imagine and then pulls it back to this personal bit at like the very final beat of the movie and that i was like i don't this this isn't these two this grand concept and this personal concept are not meshing well and i think it's interesting you bring up like midsummer like the two movies i thought of that were kind of recent movies while i was watching this midsummer a great example of doing kind of like a folk horror inspired movie that is about one woman's trauma and how that is um sort of coloring her worldview and adding to these fears and anxieties about this very unusual situation she finds herself in but doesn't take
1: itself too seriously because it is a admittedly ridiculous situation she finds herself in
0: and then the other one getting to the cosmic grandness was something like mother which for better or for worse is this like surreal in places like home invasion movie that is also Aronofsky being like, it's about the Bible and creation and man That's and exactly woman. what and, I
1: wanted this to be, was that right. kind of like, if you're going to be, if you're going to do broad, do the broadest shit imaginable. Right, and exactly. And actually take the time, because the thing with Mother is that Mother is obviously fucking insane, but mm-hmm. Mother has this masterfully, like, approach, this masterful approach to, like, pace,
0: Mm-hmm. where it keeps ballooning and getting bigger it, and yeah bigger and, and bigger
1: you you kind of have this like thought halfway through of like oh my god is this what the movie is about like is this literally right. about like i don't like having people in my home and like i a, i totally understand that but b it's like wait this is like a very like kind of standard and like weirdly domestic like story and yet i'm terrified by it, it like
0: it, it starts as like isn't it annoying that these people won't leave my house and then by the end of the movie it's like you're it's like get Ar- out of my house like- <laughs> and then by the end it's like actually it's about the bible and how we're destroying the earth or yeah. something and whether or not like you find that like exhilarating or pretentious like Ar- aronofsky is at least like willing to bu- keep keep it ballooning out and out and getting like bigger and broader in the concepts whereas garland it it seems like keeps he can't decide whether or not he wants it to be this big statement on men and women in conflict, but it has or the like about it, a woman yeah. who is like having this sort of hysterical nightmare that is her sort of working through yeah. this sort of terrible relationship she was in that ended in death,
1: yeah, but it's also like if mother stuck to like the first act mm-hmm. if it was like just about uh if the it was pretty much. Only about how Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer were bad house guests for an hour and a half. And then the last 15 minutes was like everything else that happened. It's like, here, I'm going to have a baby and it's going to be Jesus and it's going to die and you're (laughs) going to eat it. And then I'm going to blow up the house. It's like everything flows well in that. This, that feels like that's what it is, where it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, here it comes, here it comes, the big thing. And I'm going to cut out so much of this that would actually probably lead to this feeling like, an earned third act mm. where in reality, it's just like, well, what the f is going on now? Why? How did, when did we like take a left turn into this type of movie? Because mm. you, you took your time and kept it grounded enough for the first. So, and so amount of this movie and kept it slightly unsettling. And now we are at. I mean, I can't say what it is, but like.
0: It's basically to me. It's like i last read some third weird of the fan movie. fictions
1: about that. So <laughs> like
0: it's let's let's just say the birthing sequence is impreg yeah it's just not
1: good Uh, well it's not that it's not good it is it is actually very jarring but like Mm. again it's something that's jarring for jarring sake without like a the right context to go along with it and then kind of following up this huge jarring shift with a with an ending that is like really underwhelming yes of like that's that's the message you wanted to to put out after having us go through all that that's right. what we're left with okay it was just like oh wow this is kind of like it's very hollow mm-hmm. very empty and it's very it's it's grand filmmaking strokes for something that does not have very grand screenwriting like mm-hmm. strokes which is weird because garland i feel like has always been a bit of a stronger screenwriter than he has been a director and this is the time where i found it to be kind of the opposite because it's a beautiful movie yeah it's it's i mean rob hardy's great the score's great i mean it's very well constructed it's just the narrative that doesn't work which is kind of unlike garland a little Mm. bit but um you know it at least let me it at least let me uh have that feeling of, wow, maybe I'm not a fraud of a, uh, of a, of a critic to where I'm not just handing out big scores to directors just because I really like their work. Yeah. I
0: thought it it was interesting, like reading and listening to interviews with him and and him talking about, this is a movie he's been working on for a really, really long time. Like, I think it was around the time he was writing, like never let me go in dread is when he was like conceiving of this movie and had been, and, and listening to him talk about, the what narrative devices to enter to like add to the movie to like crack some sort of thing that he was struggling to get i I don't it, it's interesting to hear of like this is a movie that kind of like is frustrating you and i and it sounding like a movie that has been in his head for years and years and he it doesn't had been struggling like to like yeah it feels more like a weird fever dream than something he was like Meticulously crafting and kind of like like rewriting over and over. It feels like
1: the type of movie that someone makes after Annihilation and before another big movie, where, like, again, like you said, it's kind of like marketed as this, like, this is one of Alex Garland's magnum opuses. I'm like, I don't think so because he's done big stuff and this is very intimate and it's okay. It can be that we, I I would, I would gladly accept that type of thing.
0: His, his next movie is called civil war. So I haven't (laughs) imagined, I I have a feeling it's going to be pretty grand. I don't know like what, what that movie is other than I think it stars Kirsten Dunst. And he, I guess compared it recently in an interview. Yeah. I don't know if he compared it to this, but he was like, I watched Come and See as, like, research for this movie. A lot of the same people who
1: were in devs.
0: Interesting. So,
1: Sonoy Mazzino, Kaylee Spaney, Carl Glusman. Uh, who's... Okay, a is making it, so... He's also
0: uh... been kind of like... Like, he hinted with Kyle Buchanan at the New York Times that he's kind of, like, doesn't want to direct movies anymore. Which is interesting. Him, Him kind of hinting that he doesn't really like he started directing movies cause he wanted total authorship over his, you know, he wanted to ensure his scripts were done to the I t- mean,
1: honestly, I can, f- I could absolutely understand that after his uh, experience with working on Annihilation, mm-hmm. but I feel like working with H, age- coming back to age 24, I feel like would have afford him that sort of freedom to go around and do right. something again. And I mean, I feel like that's kind of the thing. It's like, I think he really did kind of have complete freedom on this movie. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes I can absolutely work for some directors. And I think sometimes it doesn't. And that's not to say that like Alex Garland works better under studio interference. That's not the case. It's just obviously not every day is going to be your on day. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. This is just, it just feels, it feels half baked for something with his name on it.
0: Um, yeah. It, it, it weirdly like it a bit makes sense now of like hearing some of these interviews with him of like, it does feel like a movie of someone trying to get something out of their head and like, not like the thing they put down on paper essentially is a little like, I don't, I don't quite know what you were trying to, I don't know that you were totally successful at getting, and maybe you, maybe you, maybe this was cathartic to you, but of like, you see what I'm saying? Of like, yeah, it doesn't quite feel like he got, I don't quite understand what he was trying to get out of his head with this and it doesn't feel like a total like transition it feels like someone struggling to try and materialize something that they've been stewing over for years and years and
1: i think there is an argument to be made that a movie like this might not really benefit greatly from it's a film from a female perspective about how men treat women from a man and i'm not that type of person that's like oh, if it's a movie about women, a woman should direct it. I'm not that type of person. However, when it's this type of, like, thing, I'm like, I'm, I'd am i be interested to see how a female filmmaker would have approached a story like this or would have rewritten the script if that was, like, an option.
0: But I don't know. It's just... I weirdly think, like, if we're talking about even movies about, like, the relationship between men and women, like, Ex Machina, I think, is arguably a better more interesting way of him exploring those relationships and how yeah. men view women men try to what men want from women what yeah. men view as female as part of the like female personality and yeah. um then then this movie which i think as you kind of hinted at is is or, or kind of described is like so broad in like what it wants to say about yeah. like the men and women as like but between the relationship between the sexes, whereas like ex Machina, I think, finds more interesting ways in like a less direct way. While also of, not of being ex- a
1: movie that set out to be that type right, of thing Right, but
0: finds interesting ways to explore that relationship the more yep. you watch that movie. He
1: approaches he approaches the like big parables in this movie with the same kind of seriousness and alacrity that he absolutely approached the technical aspects of or, like, the technology aspects of Ex Machina. Right. And
0: Which I remember being something people were frustrated about when that movie came out. They were like, the tech doesn't make sense. And at me being like, I don't know that I really care to, like, break down. Yeah. Is Alex Garland's science, yeah. like, totally but checks out? But in
1: this movie, I think it absolutely has to check out a little bit more. And it just doesn't as well. And I think the... Yeah... Also, the movie has impact font on its opening and closing credits. And listen, I try not to be nitpicky and I'm really not, I'm not, I'm not going to mark the movie down for that. But when I saw that a 24 presents in that iMovie S font, I was like, oh no, something is off here.
0: Uh, Well, let's, let's maybe wrap up. Um,
1: Just, I don't know. There might be something there for some other people. Uh, you know i think some people are connecting with this movie it's certainly i'm certainly noticing that there is uh nowhere near the amount of uh acclaim and fervor for this movie as his previous two.
0: no um
1: from really anybody and at first i was like oh it's just polarizing and then i saw it and i was like oh
0: maybe it actually." yeah i'd heard for a few months that it 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 was very very out there but i think Kind of like that excited me a little bit about it, but now yeah, I kind of same. get of like now I'll kind of understand some of the some of the reactions I was hearing from like test screenings yeah. where people were walking out being like I don't really know what to think of that. Yeah,
1: At, uh, out there only works when you can back it up, mm. and I don't think that there is necessarily as much to back it up as as the film thinks it has. Yeah so you know you know there might be something there for you you might like it it, it i think it is going to be kind of one of those polarizing movies that some people might walk away from with with a more kind of renewed sense of like understanding for it i am not personally that person um that being said if you like rob Party cinematography and a good score i mean it's a good it's a good sensory experience it's mm-hmm. just kind of like not that much there when it comes to anything heavy hitting
0: well before we before we go any can thoughts the can film festival is going on now neither you or i are there i kind of don't have much to comment on right now i thought i you you're in the same group message but yeah i i I sent a pretty like insightful tweet from kyle buchanan at the new york times that was basically just like the vibe thus far from people who are journalists that are there is like the movies are fine thus far but there i've kind of been like toning out a little bit just because Buchanan also mentions in that tweet like there's a lot of just sort of like twitter hysteria of people who are are there and like really want to get like attention for their coverage and are basically yeah. either either walking out being like the greatest cinematic experience you'll ever have the heavens opened up and i wiped my eyes with the golden handkerchief that was underneath my seat or they're walking out being like absolute shit should be burned as soon. fully brown bunny
1: like some real like i don't yeah we'll get
0: an oscar but oscar for biggest pile of dog poop
1: yeah i am i'm just i don't know usually i'm excited i i I think the movies i'm most excited about haven't dropped yet
0: right the day we'll record yeah the day we're recording this crimes of the future Sunday. yeah crimes of the future and the park chan wook movie are yeah. debuting tomorrow as i understand so like yeah. we'll, we'll probably know more about some of the more hot titles next yeah. week um but you know but even I, then
1: some of the bigger ones like ruben oslin's new film and like yeah you know there i sounds, just feel like sounds
0: divisive
1: yeah i just feel like a, a lot of people are walking away from these movies just kind of being like well I'm, okay i guess um so george
0: miller and the uh james gray movies sound good Mia Hansen loves movie sounds good but it's the the closest thing i've heard thus far to a movie that people seem to be very uh excited over i guess is uh this movie rmn from the Uh, the same person who made um uh what, what is it called four months three days yeah. uh the the like great uh yeah. abortion movie that yeah. won the palm d'Or in like oh seven i believe mm-hmm. um so that seems to be the one thus far that has gotten kind of pe- people seem to be pointing to of like oh this one might be something and might kind of take the festival but it it's it it seems like there's still a lot people are kind of holding out for in a lot of flashier titles yeah it's
1: just not it's just not as flashy as it used or maybe not as it used to be but there just hasn't been as many like just like oh wow i'm really excited about this type of movies Mm -hmm. other than the movies that have yet to premiere that i know that regardless of how they're going to be received i'm gonna be excited for them i right, can't like, not be excited for a david cronenberg movie i can't not be excited for a new park chen wook movie i don't care if everyone comes out of it being like it sucks shit in hell i was still the claire still Denis see movie the
0: kelly reichardt movie they, yeah. they haven't premiered i mean yeah or it's like i know I don't Baz really elvis isn't in competition uh-huh. but like that's that's
1: Well, you know, Uh, (laughs) well, it's all it's just it's just one of those things that like all of the movies that I'm excited about at this point, I'm already excited about regardless of whether or not they get good feedback. Right. once i saw the trailer for like three thousand years of longing i was like i don't care if people don't like this movie i'm excited for it yes and i will decide if i like it or not once i see it
0: looks and like a totally different movie than what i had been same to believe i thought it was, going thought
1: to it was be. gonna be like a like a quiet drama <laughs> two-hander
0: like him him scaling yes. back after mad max Fury road and then now being like how dumb we were to all believe that george miller one of the like wildest visual yeah. stylists in mainstream movies was gonna yeah. just be like I'm this is his Wyatt definition two-hander. of
1: like of intimate so yes. um so yeah i'm excited about that but yeah there's nothing that can make me unexcited of the movies that i knew i was excited excited about coming in it's just the ones that like we didn't have that much information on and we're kind of like waiting to hear what the like first reactions were mm-hmm. all seem to kind of be like oh Okay, I guess, yeah. so
0: like like the James Gray movie, I had been hearing a little bit of early bad buzz, but then now that it's premiered, like the vibe seems to be like, no, if you like James Gray's movies, you're yeah. gonna really like the like positive, I was like,
1: but not like we yeah. have a best picture winner here, I was like,
0: cool, I really like James Gray's movies, I'm sure i'll have, i'll I'll find it moving, yeah, so, so you know, it's just kind of like, we'll see,
1: we'll maybe. See again just because i've seen some movies from can that got booed and like i've loved and yeah. then there have been some movies that get raves out of can that i see that i hate like, so like you
0: raise your eyebrow about and the like, french are fucking the <laughs> french are weird
1: so like who knows like you know we'll we will hold our breath and see but you know what i'm excited for i'm excited for and everything else um i will take on in the moment and decide from there
0: well, Hunter, pleasure as always to have you on the episode. We'll have you back here before too long. Sunday. Next week on the latest, all Tom Cruise. We're gonna Top Gun: Maverick's coming out. Just gonna that rev tomorrow. up the fighter jets. Have fun! It's a, it's a fun movie, you know. What I, I, don't, I don't, don't, I don't, I I will. I me being a good friend, I'm gonna tell you it the hype is getting a little ridiculous ridiculous yeah but
1: i knew it was gonna be well here's the thing but it's a really
0: really fun summer blockbuster i don't
1: love the first top gun it's better than that oh i know it's better than that but i am working off of a low expectation yes as opposed to hype Mm -hmm. and so and even post hype i still Mm -hmm. am operating on the But I don't love Top Gun, like, Mm. thought process. So if I can walk away being like, yeah, that was better, and, like, having a good time, then that's all I really care about. And it's, like, it's spectacle. And, again, I think uh, Johnny tweeted it last night of, like, Tom Cruise is going to make a $200 million movie look like $200 million. And, honestly after all of the blockbusters I've seen recently, I kind of need something like
0: that. It It is, it is a movie that is making the case for Tom Cruise as still our most valuable movie it star sounds... and is making the case for like movies should be big movies. Yeah. Sleeping spectacles. Yeah, yeah. Movies
1: should be movies. Like it makes the case for like filmmaking, like mm-hmm. not just like digital artistry and putting actors in front of that. Right. But like, filmmaking like putting people in planes putting people on like in real situations having tom cruise drive a goddamn bike off of a cliff
0: having tom cruise woo jennifer connelly
1: yeah because they didn't want to invite kelly mcgillis back which to the i i still am like that y'all y'all did her dirty she's aging like someone her age should and y'all uh, replaced her with Jennifer Connelly. I mean, arguably, at least she has worked with Joseph Kaczynski before in Only the Brave, but like, which I'll be completely honest, I thought she deserved an Oscar nomination for that movie. That being
0: said- actually never seen that one. I've seen the two other Kaminsky movies, but I've not.
1: It's very, very good. I've heard it's good. It's it, it, is, it was a movie that I went into it being like, great, another dude bro, like American Sniper, blue collar, like, wow, look at these people who gave their lives type of movie. I there is a scene near the end between with Jennifer Connelly Mm -hmm. where I it broke me and that was when I was like she deserves an Oscar nomination but then no one saw the movie so then no one thought about it at the end of the year. Mm